morning. Uh, in a tremendous song service. Oh, how they were rejoicing in the Lord. They had been taken through the Red Sea. And Miriam had her timbrate and led the ladies as they danced on the other side of Jordan and sang what a tremendous song, the song of Moses. And if you had taken the time to read from verse 2, Salvation is of our God. I will praise him for he has prepared a habitation for my father. I will exalt him. He is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host have he cast into the sea. His chosen captains are also drowned in the Red Sea. And the entire thing is a tremendous song of praise and of testimony of salvation. And we looked at it in the book of Revelation. The last song in the Bible is a song of redemption, the song of Moses and of the Lamb. But you find in your Christian experience, as I have, it doesn't take too far to travel between our songs and our sorrows. And we find the song is barely finished in the 20th and 21st verses. And they begin to grumble and murmur and complain because they had nothing to drink. A bitter experience, a bitter place, a total disappointment. They were saying to Moses, I don't like this church. I'm not getting fed here anymore. And yet God had led them to that place. And I want you to see something. They had been directed by the Holy Spirit to a place of bitter disappointment. God has a purpose and a reason for his leading, for his providence, for his care, and he did not lead them from there to another place, but he wanted to prove to them that he was sufficient to make things work wherever they were. I appreciate that about God this morning. You don't have to change your job. God has a way of sweetening the bitter experience where you work. You don't have to, to look for a new husband or for a new wife. God has a way of sweetening the waters of domestic problems. Can you say amen? God leads us by his grace in the situations of, of bitterness and disappointment so that he can demonstrate his power and his ability to be injected into a circumstance and totally transform it for his honor and for his glory. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ is the answer. And that's what he wants you to experience. That is, that's what he wants you to find out in whatever circumstance life has cast you right now. Led by the Lord into a bitter experience. Praise the Lord that Moses didn't chime in with the grumbling and complaining, but he cried to the Lord. That's the secret. When you encounter a bitter experience, go to prayer, not to pieces. Amen. And he cried to the Lord, and when you really pray, God showed him a tree. Hallelujah. God showed him a tree. It takes the revelation of the Lord, doesn't it, to show us the answer. Man is not equipped to give us the answer. You may have some good friends, and they may be pretty sharp. 
But when it comes right down to giving you the answers to the problems and bitterness and perplexities of life, it takes the revelation of God to point out the answer. And it may be very obvious and it may be very near to you, but you walk right by it and never realize it, never recognize it. But oh, praise God, through prayer, God, as he did with Moses, showed him a tree and gave him instructions. He said, cut this tree and cast it into the waters. And as he obeyed the Lord, the element of obedience is tremendously important to anything you desire from God. It's not enough to know what the cure is. You've got to appropriate the cure or it's worthless. It's not enough to hear the preacher talk about Calvary and talk about the plan of redemption and the plan of salvation. You've got to do something about it. You've got to obey what God is saying to do. The whole thing would have broken down totally had after Moses been shown the tree, he just ignored the rest of the instructions of the Lord. But he cast it into the stream, and the bitter waters were made sweet. I believe with all of my heart, God was using visual aids to teach his children. God is a tremendous teacher, and uh, I, I admire anyone who can use visual aids because it's just a proven fact that you retain more of what you see and just not what you hear. And so God was bringing them through the school of experience and was a tremendous visual aid of the truth and declaration that he was about to make. He was healing the bitter waters and then after the experience was totally finished, he just declared himself through Moses, I am the Lord thy God that healeth thee.
He just declared himself through Moses, I am the Lord thy God that healeth thee. And I'm sure that that meant a lot more to them. That simple direct statement meant a lot more to them after they had experienced what they had gone through than had he just said to them, I am the Lord thy God that healeth thee. Aren't you glad for the experiences that the Lord brings us through as visual aids? He knows how thick I am, so he has to get down on my level and just show me what he's talking about. And he demonstrated for them exactly what he was talking about. Now, there were physicians in Egypt. Joseph talks about the physicians that he, he hired to embalm his father. So evidently the physicians had a dual ministry. They evidently were the undertakers as well as the overtakers. They were treating not only the sicknesses, but they uh, had the, the task of embalming. And if you read about the 20th chapter of Genesis, it talks how uh, Joseph had the physicians uh, embalm Jacob, or Israel as he's called in that text. There were many physicians in Egypt, but there is no mention of any physician on the other side of the Red Sea. God here is demonstrating to them he was not going to leave a million, perhaps two million odd people without health care. And he was not going to bring them into a situation where they had less available to them under his jurisdiction than they had under the jurisdiction of Pharaoh. Because, you see, if they had some sickness or epidemic that would, was going through them, what would be the temptation? Go back to the doctor. Go back across the terrain, back into Egypt, and seek out a physician where they might be attended to. And the temptation to return to Egypt would have been strong. But God was giving them, and I think it's tremendously significant on our journey as Christians, that the first covenant God made with a redeemed people was a covenant of divine healing. Hallelujah. Not only a covenant of divine healing, but a promise of divine health. He said, now, if you will keep yourself from the abominations of Egypt, and you will keep yourself in separation, and you will obey my statutes and my commandments, I will see to it that you will be provided with divine health. That's better than divine healing. Can you say amen? I will put none of these diseases upon you that were upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. Praise the Lord. If God can keep us from sin... He ought to be able to keep us from sickness. One of the reasons, and I want to make this clear, one of the reasons for sickness is sin. I didn't say all of the reasons for sickness. I said one of the major reasons for sickness is sin. One of the major reasons for sickness is a lack of obedience to God's commandments and the lack of separation from the abominations of Egypt. And I realize with you that our spiritual man and our physical man are so totally related. 
And uh, when we are spiritually guilty, it has physical repercussions. We need to realize that God's provision is still ours today. You say, well, that's Old Testament, you see, and that's God's promise to Israel, and that was just the covenant that God had for his people in that day. I want you to know something. We enjoy a greater rapport, a greater uh, relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, with God, than the Israelites ever did. And when you read Ephesians 5, we realize that the Bible says we are his body, we are his flesh and his bone. So we have been brought into a relationship with God that Israel never had, privileges that they never enjoyed. And when you read through the book of Hebrews, you find the key word of that book is better. That the New Testament and the New Covenant of which Jesus Christ has been the surety of is a better covenant than the Old Covenant. And so much better than the Old Testament and the Old Promises and the Old Covenants that God has made. So as a New Testament people who have been redeemed by the cross of Calvary, we enjoy a super relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and a better relationship than they enjoyed in the land of Egypt or in the land of the wilderness. Hallelujah. So he says to them and to us, if you will obey my statutes and keep my commandments, I will keep you well. Now it is a known fact collaborated and proclaimed by contemporary scientists and medical figures that tobacco is going to do damage to your body. And inhaling smoke is going to paint your lungs with tar and nicotine. If you had it on your hands or on your clothes, you'd wash it off as soon as you could. But we paint our lungs with it. And it's a known fact they tell us that it affects heart and it affects our blood pressure and it invites lung cancer and it's simply committing suicide on the installment plan. And we realize that the danger and detriment of this. And I want to say this morning, if there's a problem in, in any area of this in your life, I'm not here to put you down. I'm here by the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit to lift you up, if at all possible. There are enough people who put you down. But Jesus came not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And I want you to know this morning that there's power in the Lord Jesus Christ and he delights to set the captive free and the opening of the prison house to them that are bound. Hallelujah. And there's victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He wants to separate us totally from the abominations of Egypt and give us liberty and victory to give testimony to his power and to his amazing grace. The known fact that taking alcohol into your body does damage to your mind and to the vital organs of your body. It hardens your liver so it can't function to purify the blood. And it does something to the heart and to the, to the rest of your whole structure. And it's just inviting danger and inviting sickness and inviting problems into your life. When God says to us, if you will keep yourself from the abominations of Egypt, I will put none of these diseases upon you. Hallelujah. It's just 
It's just smart health care. God has made tremendous provisions. Hallelujah. Materialism is a poison that will kill you. 90% of all sickness that men and women go to the doctor to be treated for is created by stress and anxiety. What are we so worried about? Material things. Stress. Uptight. Anxious. Worried about what we're going to wear, what we're going to drive, where we're going to live, what the neighbors are going to think, and how do we keep up with the rest of the, of the things that are happening in our society. Undue pressure. God never built us for that. He said, come to me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest unto your soul. There remaineth therefore rest unto the people of God. Amen. Amen. And you may be physically tired, but you can have a rest in your mind and a rest in your heart. That you're not caught up in the competitive spirit of this age. But your life is totally hid with Christ and God. Hallelujah. And you're serving Him and living for Him. Not just for things. There are any number of things that I'm sure are a carryover from the old way of life. Worry is a sin. It makes God a liar. There are many people that are sick because of worry. God, by His grace, has provided healing for us. Remember what I said now. Sin is not the only cause of sickness. There are other causes. We have inherited, by human nature, a fallen, unredeemed body subject to death. It is appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. Death passed upon all men because of sin. And we recognize completely that we have inherited from Adam a tabernacle that is disintegrating a little bit every day. The Apostle Paul says the outward tabernacle of our flesh is getting weaker and deteriorating and falling apart. But our inward man can be renewed by his grace every day. Stuart Hamlin wrote a song, This Old House. How many remember it? This old house is getting weary. This old house is getting old. And uh, the whole thing describes the body in the way that it deteriorates. The, the eyes grow dim, the hearing gets dull, and the teeth fall out, and and the hair, some of them fall out and turn gray. All of which simply testify to us that death passed upon all men. We have this to contend with. Another element that influences this is that we have an oppressor. And Satan would oppress the people of God. Jesus went about doing good, healing all that were sick, and oppressed of the devil. It's his business to add oppression and affliction to the people of God. 
some things are allowed by the Lord in order that he may prove us. Even though he has promised to keep us healthy, and even though he's promised to restore health, it says in the last part of verse 25, and there he proved them. God has a right to test our faith. Amen? He says, Think it not strange when the fiery trial that is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened to you. But this is ordained to the Lord. Faith will be tested. It will be tried. God reserves the right to prove us and to prove our faith. And I'm confident in my mind that God, as he had led Israel by the cloud into the place of Myra, has also at times led each of us into a bitter experience so that he might prove us and so that he might prove himself and just show us who he is and what he can do. And the name by which he is known in this text is Jehovah Rapha, or the Lord who heals. The second of the compound names of God, hallelujah. I am Jehovah Rapha. That word that's mentioned about 75 times in the Old Testament always means to restore, to cure, to make healthy. Hallelujah. And he is just that kind of a God. He is able to restore. He is able to cure. He is able to heal. Praise the Lord. I remember very fresh in my mind that I might have mentioned this here. Perhaps even my mom has mentioned it when she's been here. When I was a teenager, she went through a very difficult time with her nerves. And uh, she wore false teeth and it was, her nerves were so bad she had to remove them because they just jumped against each other continually. She couldn't stay at home by herself. When we would leave for school, she would leave with us and go stay with her sister or with a neighbor. Well, there were days when she begged me to stay at home just so there would be someone at the house that she wouldn't be by herself. She had been to the doctor, was taking medication she had been prayed for. One day she was standing looking out the front door, the kitchen door, and it was as though a voice behind her is clear, the voice I'm speaking to you in, spoke these words, I am the Lord thy God that healeth thee. And she was such a new Christian, she didn't even know it was Scripture. She didn't even know it was in the Word of God, but it was so clear to her heart, it produced faith. And from that moment on, my mom was a different lady around our house. Hallelujah. I can remember she was so fearful of being closed in, she couldn't ride in an automobile hardly between our house and church, which was only three miles. We couldn't go anywhere because of this particular problem of, of this nervous condition. But I want you to know in that instant of time, as God spoke his word by his mighty power, she was made whole instantly by the power of a living God who says, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Glory to God. I just got a communication from her the other day. She went to see my sister in North Carolina, an eight-hour drive in an automobile, and she said, I praise the Lord. I enjoyed every moment of that trip. Hallelujah. That's been many years ago. The same Lord who has healed her then is keeping her right now. And I praise the Lord for the declaration of this verse and for the personal note of healing that he taught us in a bitter experience. Oh, hallelujah. We know 
what that tree symbolizes. For Second Peter says, Jesus bore our sins in his own body on the tree. And that tree represents Calvary. It represents the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you bring the cross of Jesus Christ into a bitter experience, into an experience that needs healing, there's a transforming power in that cross that can make us completely whole can transform from bitter to sweet, unacceptable to refreshing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm glad for the Lord, our healer. Right now, I stand here a testimony of God's healing power. I'm sure there are many of you in this auditorium to whom this verse is a personal reality. For I am the Lord thy God that healeth thee. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this time around your word. We thank you, O oh God, for the covenant that you've made with your people. Oh, we thank you for the promise that you've made available to us. And you said, These signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. Oh, if there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. Let them lay hands upon them, anointing them with oil. The prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise them up, and if they have committed sins, they shall be forgiven them. God, I pray that that healing virtue might flow throughout this auditorium right now. And for those who are in the bitter experience of Myra, oh God, the tendency is to grumble and complain and say, why me? What's going on? Wherewith shall we drink? Oh, God, we pray this morning and we cry out to God as Moses. I pray that the finger of the Lord might show us the cure, might show us Calvary. Oh, that we might bring Jesus and the cross of Christ into our life, into our experience, that there would be transformation from death unto life, from sickness to health, from bitterness sweetness. I pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.
to us this morning. Perhaps there are needs that are represented in this body this morning. Needs for deliverance. Needs for healing. For salvation. God has brought us to this place not just to inform us of His Word, but to perform His Word. He is the Lord, thy God, that heals. And I believe that he'll do for us what we need. We're going to sing it again with the invitation of the Lord. And if for some reason you'd like to come and pray, we'll be here to pray with you. I'll ask several if you could stay and help us pray. We invite you to come as we sing it again. Come unto me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Hear me and be blessed. For I am meek and lowly. Come and trust my might. Come, my yoke is easy. And my burdens lie, just come unto me, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, hear me and be blessed, for I am meek and lowly. Come and trust my might. Come, my yoke is easy, and my burdens light. Hallelujah. Father in heaven, we lay these knees before you, especially for those that are kneeling right here. We love them, O oh God. 
Jesus, I pray that your blessing would come to their life today, supplying exactly the need that they've brought to you. Jesus, I pray for every member of this congregation. You alone know what physical needs are standing in this auditorium. And I'm asking you, Lord, to do me a personal favor this morning. God, would you just sovereignly touch those lives and in so doing, demonstrate to them what you can do and that you are indeed the living God? I ask it for Jesus' sake. We vow to give you the glory for it. Protect and keep each one as they leave right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Go very respectfully and quietly, please. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.